Two meals and a lesson. Jesus has a lot to teach this morning in this passage as we uh, go through it. Our memory verse this quarter, uh, there are some more blanks, but they're, they're still, you know, they're, they're, they're prominent words, so I think we'll be okay. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Mark 8, 34 and 35. Yeah, that one was easy. It's, it's going to get, I think this one's going to be a lot, this is going to be a lot easier for me than the Jeremiah one was, but that, that's just me. All right, so where are we in Mark? If we go back some, a couple of chapters, Jesus has been rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. He's gone to try to, uh, to he's gone to teach and to, to do miracles. Um, in verse 5 of chapter 6, he was not able to do a miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Uh, we're, we learn later it's because of their lack of faith that he was not, he didn't do very many miracles in Nazareth. Then he goes out from, from Nazareth and he preaches in the villages of Galilee. So he's traveling around and at some point, possibly from Capernaum, that seemed to be their home base for this part of his ministry, he sends the 12 disciples out. Um, if I remember correctly, he uh, yep, sent them out in pairs, two by two. So he sent six groups, six pairs out into the villages. Sometime during all of this, we, we, if you go back to chapter, I think it's three, maybe even a little further back than that, uh, John the Baptist got uh, himself arrested, and then now we learn that in the midst of all this that was going on, John has been beheaded, and Jesus learns about that as well. So after that is introduced, or that story is told, we send Mark doing his introducing a topic, sticking something in the middle, and then coming back to the topic again. He does that a lot. He introduces the disciples have gone out. In the meantime, John the Baptist gets killed. And then the disciples come back together, again, likely in Capernaum. You know how kids will talk your ear off about everything they did on the vacation they just got back from? Y'all are familiar with that? Me too. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way, though. I, I want to talk about where we've been, too. We're, we're both excited and exhausted when we come back from those types of, of, of trips. You know how kids, two days later, are complaining how they're bored and how we never do anything? It doesn't matter the thousands you just spent on the trip that, and you're trying to recover from because you're not 10 yeah, yeah, y'all might know what that's like, too. That's the disciples at this point. Except it was much more important than a simple vacation. They have been on an incredible ministry trip. They come back, they're excited and exhausted, and then they forget. Mark uses this backstory, this scene of sending the disciples out, John the Baptist being beheaded at an incredible feast where everyone was satisfied physically anyway by the food, the, the kingly types of, of, of uh, foods that they had, then brings the disciples back, and that's where we find out about these two meals 
and the lesson that we and the disciples must learn. Mark 6, 30-34 picks up the story. 6, 33-44. I think I said 34. In my head, I, uh, who knows. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them. And they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it's already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. They instructed them to have all the groups sit down, all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. There's a lot here. Uh, There are these two meals that Jesus feeds, and then there's the lesson that he has for them, uh, for the disciples there, and for us as well. The first thing we see, the first part of this, is the first meal. Verses 30 through 34 is the first meal, are the first meal. We see the preparation for that meal in verses 30 through 31. Now, remember, again, the, 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 uh, the disciples had been given a mission, and they followed it. They did what they were told. He divided up into twos. He told them, don't take anything for the journey. Don't take extra stuff. Don't take money. Don't take food. Just go from place to place and uh, find what other gospels call the person of peace. Find a home, stay in it until they kick you out, and if they kick you out when you get there, dust your feet off and move on. Preach and heal. Do the things that you have seen me do. And they do. They are obedient to it. They took nothing, and they didn't starve. And when they got to those places, they preached, and they performed miracles, and it worked. People believed, people heard the message, and, and they would do the miracle, and, and, and suddenly the people would be healed, and demons would be cast out. Now, we, we go back, as far as we have recorded in Mark, and remember, he doesn't record everything. There hasn't been obvious training for this mission trip that they've been put on. Now, the training was spending time with Jesus, one-on-one or one-on-twelve discipleship. And if we read just in Mark, we're only in chapter 6, this has looked like, well, that's not enough time. And, and who knows, really, the, the time frame here. But it was, in Jesus' eyes, plenty. Because he sends them out 
to do these things, and they do it. They had been prepared for that mission trip, but now this mission trip was uh, preparing them for when Jesus wouldn't be there at all. He's preparing them for the time when they will be the ones eventually actually sending people out, but when they will be doing it themselves and Jesus won't be around to send them won't be there to, to give them, all right, this is the date, now go and do it, and we'll see you when you get back. But he's not just preparing them for down the road a few years. He's preparing them for much sooner than that. There's a lesson here that he is getting them ready to see. Uh, turns out the same day. But they're exhausted. They, the, the scripture tells us that they, uh, people were coming and going so much that they didn't even have time to eat. They're following them. They're, 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 the mission trip's over. They're trying to go home. And the people that they were uh, ministering to are following home, them home to Capernaum. They got this crowd coming. And they don't have time to eat. They don't have time to rest. Now let's be honest. Rest in ministry is preparation too. This afternoon, after church, we'll go eat somewhere, and I'll go home, and I'll take, depending on whether I put earplugs in or not, I'll take a good hour to two-hour nap. You know why? I'm getting ready for next Sunday, or recovering from this one. However you want to look at it, I nap every Sunday afternoon, because when I get home, I'm exhausted. You need times of rest and preparation, because rest is preparation, but... As the disciples are going to learn here, and as Jesus has shown over and over and will continue to show, the mission always takes precedence over our rest, over our comfort. So we see this preparation. Jesus has prepared the disciples for this moment on the hill, this moment in the, in the countryside, in the area of the Sea of Galilee. From the preparation of traveling, we come to the example that Jesus is going to set in verses 32 through 34. He says, come on, let's go to the countryside, let's cross over the, the sea. We're going to go by boat, and we're going to go into the wilderness. That word keeps coming back. It was all over the first chapter of Mark, and it keeps coming back now. He's going into the wilderness to rest, in the wilderness to prepare. It's where he goes to pray. It's where the children of Israel went to prepare them for the promised land. It is a place of rest and preparation. And he tells the disciples, let's go. You need it. I need it. Let's head out that way. But these people that followed from the villages, apparently to Capernaum, they see them get into the boat, and the Sea of Galilee is a lake. It's not a sea. It's a lake. They fished on it because y'all fish on boats and lakes, right? Some of you do. I don't. But y'all do. And that's what they did. They get, get in their little boats, they go out and they fish and they cast and they, you know, all the, the nets and the stuff. And, and, but, so, so they're gonna, but it's small enough that when the people see that, oh, they got in the boat and they're going to the other side and we can kind of see where they're aiming, they go around the land and beat them. That's how small the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, is. They ran ahead of them. Then they get out of the boat, they look around, and here's this group of people, and Scripture tells us 
Jesus saw their need. He saw a large crowd, verse 34, and had compassion on them. He was a shepherd. He says, Scripture says, he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus knew he was the shepherd. Jesus is not the first shepherd to come to the wilderness and, and, and help the lost sheep. Moses, back in Exodus, uh, rather in Numbers 27, 17, prayed for a shepherd in the wilderness that somebody would come after him, that, would, that God would raise up to shepherd his people when Moses was gone. And another Jesus, an earlier Jesus, came along. Joshua is our English version. Yeshua is the Hebrew version. Jesus is the Greek version, all of the same name. Jesus' name was Joshua, Yeshua. But back in Moses' time, his uh, his, uh, uh, successor, thank you, I heard somebody over here helping me, his successor was Joshua, a shepherd for the wilderness that God provided. David, in his psalms, particularly in one psalm, sings of the Lord as shepherd who leads to green pastures. What does Mark say a little later? He had them sit in the green grass. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But he sings as the, of the Lord as a shepherd who, who leads to green pastures and prepares a table, prepares food, feeds David, feeds the people. Ezekiel in chapter 34 promised a shepherd from the line of David that will lead the people to security in the wilderness. A shepherd in the countryside who would give the sheep, the poor lost sheep, what they needed. Yeshua, Jesus, the good shepherd in the wilderness, sees the people and their need and he has compassion on them. He answers the prayer of Moses, the song of David, and the prophecy of Ezekiel at this moment and throughout his ministry and even today. And Jesus feeds them. The first meal he gives them is not a meal of bread, not bread of wheat, but the bread of life. Jesus gives gives them himself. Jesus knows their real need. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He knows that their real need, their real hunger, is not something for their belly, but for their hearts. He feeds them. Jeremiah in 15, 6, Jeremiah 15, 16 said, Your words were found and I ate them. Ezekiel was told to eat the scroll in chapter 3, verse 1, the scroll that he saw, and he did, and it was as sweet as honey. Jewish literature at the time speaks of feeding Israel Uh, speaks of feeding Israel as them being taught, not given food, but given God's word. Jesus teaches them what he says he was going to teach them. Back in 1.15, when he said, what I have come to do is teach the message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Repent 
and believe the good news. He teaches them first that the kingdom is here. You're looking at the Messiah, he says. He didn't call himself that. He's still being a little... uh, Cagey's not the word, but he's holding back. But he is teaching them that the kingdom is here. The kingdom has come. Look at the the healings. Look at demons being uh, cast out. The kingdom is here. Therefore, repent and believe. That's his message. It's his only message. That's what's important. The first meal that we see in Mark chapter 6 is the meal of spiritual food that he has for them. But he doesn't stop there. Yes, that is their greatest need, but that is not their only need. He knows that there are physical needs that must be met too. There's the reality that until physical needs are met, Some people, most people, aren't going to hear much about the spiritual need. That sounds wonderful. I get it. Maybe whatever, eternities, that's something. But you know what? I'm hungry now. And so we come to the second meal in verses 35 through 44. The need is very real. The need, the physical need is acute. It is uh, pressing. It is constant. It is nagging. In verses 35 through 36, the disciples see it. They understand that there was a need. When it grew late, his disciples approached him. Grew late here probably means something like three in the afternoon. That was their, they had different lates. They had late and real late. Late was three, real late was around six when it started getting dark. That was real late because that's the next day for them. Uh, So that's why three in the afternoon is late. The next day starts at sundown, not at sunrise like we tend to think. Disciples looked around. They saw what the need was. They, They looked around and they said, this place is deserted. It's already late. Send them away so they can go get some food in the countryside, in the cities, or whatever. Let them take care of their need. They have a need, y'all, that let them take care of it. Let them go and do it. They should provide, they should fend for themselves. The people were tired and hungry, but y'all, so were the disciples. They were tired and hungry. Remember, they have come to report. The way we see this passage here, it looks like they came and reported in the morning to Jesus, and the crowds followed them, and they didn't have time to eat, and Jesus said, let's go to the other side, and they go to the other side, and they get there, and the crowds are there, and Jesus sees them and starts teaching. So we don't see that they've had any opportunity to rest unless they slept through Jesus' sermon. Everybody wake up. I'm not Jesus, but I'm talking about him, so, you know. Um, And it doesn't look like they've had time to eat. Maybe they ate something on the boat. But remember, they were told not to take anything. Don't take bread, don't take money, don't take any of that. And they've just come back from the trip where they were told not to take anything. So chances are they don't have much at this moment. They're tired, they are hungry, and they are done. These people constantly need us we did the things now they should go home is their idea 
See, the disciples were more concerned about their own personal needs, their own personal comforts, than those of the lost sheep. They were concerned about what they thought they needed more than they were concerned about the needy crowds. And followers of Jesus, that's not ministry. That's not taking up our cross. That's putting down the cross because it's heavy right now. I want to go take a nap and go eat. And Jesus says, no, you are to carry this cross. It, ministry is a burden. Following Jesus is a burden. So we see the need. The disciples saw the need. And they wanted the people to go and y'all take care of your need. Instead, though, they get a directive from Jesus in the first part of 37, 37a. Jesus says, you feed them. You give them something to eat. Well, this just makes no sense. I mean, that's, and that's exactly what the disciples are thinking. It makes no sense. Jesus says, you take care of it. You provide the physical need. But they have just left a trip where they were told to take nothing. They've been in the boat. They're on the other side. We got nothing, Jesus. You said don't take money, so we didn't. You said don't take bread, so we didn't. So we come over here, and you want us to feed a bunch of people. We got no bread. We got no money. And Jesus says... You give them something to eat. Let's not lose track of who he's talking to. You, who just got done on a mission trip. You, who preached and people repented. The phrasing of verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him, the reason I use the illustration of children at the beginning is because that's the idea of this passage. They didn't walk up to Jesus and go, okay, so we did, we did that, like you said, and we, we did that, and we did... No, no, no. They gathered around Jesus. Jesus! See, what had happened was we were out there preaching, and people listened to me. I'm a fisherman, whatever. I, but they listened and they responded to the message. And we had this sick person, this sick person. You saw the sick person, the sick person, right? Came up and said, I'm sick, can you heal me? And we did, and we prayed, and he healed. We can't do that, you do that, we don't do that. And then we had this demon, he was like, at us, and we so he yelled, get out, he did. Gee, can you believe? I'm tired. But that's what we did, Jesus. That's the image we get here. The kid, coming back from vacation. All the things... All the stories. And like mid-sentence, there's... And then what was it? And we... we and... I'm sure they were very adult about it. Maybe not quite as energetic as... But I don't... Not when you do that. Not when you see God work. You can't help but get excited when you see God work, and they saw, not, not just standing back and going, wow, did you see what Jesus did? But he was working through them. You who preached and people repented, you feed them. You who drove out demons, you feed them. You who healed the sick, 
You feed them. You, disciples, you followers of me, you students of me, you imitators of me, you meet this physical need of hunger. You do it. You preached, you healed, you cast out. Just feed these handful of people. Just feed these few folks. Then we come to the forgetfulness. We, I, I, I don't know how many times I've talked about this, but we still marvel. We marvel at how, and I had a conversation after church last Sunday about Mary. I actually had a couple of conversations about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and her situation at this point, or a little before when she's with her family, regardless of how much she agreed with them, she's with her family to take away Jesus, because at least they, but it seems to be her, think that he's crazy. How much did she believe? What did she believe? We, it, it's, it's, a, it's a debate. It, we're not sure. But we know that on the one hand, she was told, your child will be savior of the world. He'll forgive their sins. But on the other, she says, he's crazy. Or at least goes along with the family that says that. And on the other hand, she says, at his first miracle, do whatever he tells you. But on the other, she's not found with the disciples until the cross. How? Well, the disciples were just preaching, healing, and casting out demons yesterday. We're not talking about an announcement 30 years earlier. We're not talking about Jesus getting uh, lost in the temple or being in the temple uh, uh, 18 years earlier, we're talking about yesterday they forgot. Those who preached repentance and saw it, those who cast out demons and saw them leave, who healed sick and saw wholeness, they are incredulous. Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Oh, that's, that's what you want us to do, Jesus? Go spend all this money that we don't have because you told us not to take any. Go into all these cities, 12 of us, going to go all, this, all the cities around here, all the towns, all the villages, and we're going to find enough bread to... Jesus, what are you thinking? We don't have the money or the time or the will or the energy, or the desire, or the patience, or the care, or the concern, or the willingness, or the money to do that. Jesus, we can't meet their need. And I can't even believe you would tell us to. Just, you know, stick a dagger in us and twist it. You go by, you go feed them. How are we going to do that, Jesus? Tell me that. Jesus doesn't put, put it this way, but I would want to because I'm snarky. I would want to say, excuse me, 12. 
Were you not there when you were healing the sick? Were, were you not there when you were casting out demons? Were you not there when my words were preached with power through you and you saw repentance because of the words you preached? Were you not there where you were, disciples? Because I'm thinking you were because like nine hours about it, you, uh, nine hours ago, you couldn't shut up about it. And now you're all, I'm tired, I'm bored, I don't want to do this anymore. Or whatever. You just completely forgotten? Let's be nice and say they forgot. But they have certainly moved on. And Jesus says, boys, and he comes up with the provision in verse 38. And he asks them, what do you have? My answer to him is nothing. I got nothing. Michael, what do you have for me? I don't have anything. You, I need you to do this, but I don't have it. I can't anymore. For any number of reasons, I can't. Disciples, what do you have? Uh, not much. Really, really nothing. Uh, we, we look around... We've got five loaves. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, and a couple of fish, too. Almost forgot about those guys, because that'll help. Don't want to forget those two. Got a box of nerds. Maybe a Kit Kat. We're going to feed everybody. I got nothing, Jesus. I've got nothing for what you've called me to. I got no answers. I have no resources, I have no energy, I have no desire, I've got nothing. Jesus says, disciples, you have everything. You have Jesus, you have me, he says. He doesn't say it, he shows them. It's a better lesson when you get shown. Tell me till you're blue in the face, show me, and I, oh, yeah, I'm stupid, sorry. Disciples, you have everything. You have Jesus. Believer, you have everything. You have Jesus. Church, you have everything. You have Jesus. And Jesus tells them, sit everybody down like they're going to eat. Disciples, step out on faith. Tell them to sit down. Gather them up. He did understand we said five, right? Five complete loaves, two fish, nerds and a Kit Kat. He knows that's what we have, right? That's it. Sit them down like they're going to eat. This, remember, Mark is writing uh, Peter's sermons. And this is so vivid in Peter's memory 
that Mark even mentions the green grass. They sat them down on the green grass. Now, in a country where rain is iffy and you, you have certain seasons where it rains and that's when everything looks green, it's only a, a time of the year, that uh, one time of the year that it would look like that. So we can actually sort of pinpoint around when it would be in the t- that time of the year. But nonetheless, it's, it is, that is just marked in Peter's memory that I, re- I remember the grass. It's reminiscent of the end of John, the Gospel of John, when he says exactly how many fish, and he wrote some 40 years after it happened, remembers exactly how many fish they caught when that guy on the beach told them to cast their net to the other side. And he says, we caught, and I don't remember what it is now, 350-something, he, but exactly, we caught this many fish. And Peter said, it's Jesus. Peter, now... The grass was so green that day. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He sits me down to prepare me for what he is going to provide. But if this doesn't work, the disciple is going to look so stupid. Y'all sit down. Okay, sit down. Oh, we're going to eat? They must have food for us. Well, sit down. We'll just kind of see, okay? (laughs) We're going to find out. Um, And Jesus starts breaking bread. He looked up in the heavens, and he prayed to God that he would bless it. God, you do with what little is here. To show my disciples that you provide when they are giving a, given a, a command, given a directive. To show these lost sheep that you have come to give them eternal life, but to also give them abundant life now, to provide for very real needs now. And he starts breaking. And handing it to the disciples. And the disciples get their little serving trays. And they plate it all up. Nice and pretty. They they take it. And they go to the groups of fifties and hundreds. And there's twelve of them. And so it wouldn't take too long. Uh, Five thousand divided by a hundred is a number. I think that's fifty. So somewhere between 50 and 100 groups, if they were divided into 50s and 100s. So 12 guys going back and forth. It'd take a little time, but not forever. And Jesus just sits there and breaks and breaks and breaks. And the disciples keep coming back. People are clueless. They don't, they're just getting fed. They, they don't know what has gone on in this conversation. But Jesus and the disciples, they just see this food continue to come from the kitchen and to their little eating areas, their little picnic area, and Jesus just breaks. And he does not stop, Scripture tells us, until everyone is satisfied. This wasn't cracker and a little cup of juice that we do for the Lord's Supper next week, by the way. 
This was full meal. It was not sumptuous. Mark has given us what happens, at least has juxtaposed the two. The sumptuous meal happened the day John the Baptist got beheaded. He's presented two different meals. One was contrary to God's kingdom. One was what needed to be so that God's kingdom could continue. It was, it was just they, they got their bellies full. Was it the best fish? In my opinion, there's no such thing. I'm not a big fish eater. Fried catfish, as long as the mud is cut out, that's my favorite fish. Okay, so if it was, maybe it was good fried catfish that all the, except they, don't, they didn't eat bottom dwellers, that was unclean. Well, the mud, right? Go figure. Um, but it was probably something nasty like sardines. I know some of y'all like sardines, but it's weird. Or it's that nasty Norwegian fish that comes in the can that the can's swollen up. It's, you see the people try to eat it uh, on, on the videos and stuff. Regardless, it wasn't, it was a, as other gospels tell us, it was a kid's lunch. It was just what they had. Hey, take this. Go away. Go outside and play. And he kept breaking. So much that not only did everyone eat, but the disciples got doggy baskets. There's, there's debate as to what the baskets were that they filled up. Some say it was these monstrous baskets, uh, but others say, and this seems a, a little more in line, every Jewish person took a, a travel basket. Uh, just a little basket they'd put things in, and often you put your lunch in there if you were going somewhere. There were 12 of them. Where did they get 12 baskets in the middle of the wilderness? Oh, 12 disciples, if you were struggling with that math. Filled up 12 baskets. The guys who'd been told not to take money or food or anything else, who had come home exhausted and hungry, got what they needed then and enough for the future. How far in the future? Well, it was just a, it was a, it was a doggy bag, so a couple of days maybe. Did Jesus promise? Did God promise? I will, let me show you how I'm going to take care of you for the next 10 years. No. Your word, the first meal that they were given, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. We're talking about six to eight feet. That may be all God gives us. Six to eight feet is all we see. All we know. It's why his mercies are new every morning. It's why we get up and give him the next day because we don't know what the next day holds. All I know is I woke up this morning, so I must have something to do for the Lord. Go to bed, might not wake up. Oh, I'm awake. I must have something to do for the Lord. The lesson. Meal one, the bread of life. Meal two, the bread of bellies, the bread of wheat. And three, the lesson. Number one, there's a mission to fulfill. The disciples had already been sent on the mission, but the mission didn't stop when they came back from the trip. Next, uh, in, in a week and a half, we will go to Tucson. 
And our mission in Tucson may end Sunday at lunch, but that does not mean the mission is done. We will come back, and you know what we have? Our own lost group of people to reach, our own work to do right here. We go there to do work, but we do the same work here. And you know what? Comfort and rest are secondary to the mission. The mission is important. The mission is the call. Number one, there's a mission to fulfill. Number two, the lost need the message of Jesus. The kingdom is here. Repent. Healing. Casting out demons. Feeding. Those are all important to bolster the mission, to, to, get, uh, to provide uh, opportunity to share the gospel, to share the mission. But those aren't the mission. It is most convenient if people would just come here on Sunday morning and hear the gospel. That would be easiest, right? If all of sulfur would just come here every Sunday to hear the gospel. But it isn't how it works. That's not how it's going to happen. They don't come here. We go there. And you're there every day. Because they are lost sheep without a shepherd. And we know the shepherd. But we say, well, you can't come in our sheepfold. We've got our sheepfold nice and clean and decorated and all this stuff. And it's, it is pristine. And, and if you came in, you smell like sheep dip. You, you don't, you, you've got to go and get the lost sheep and bring them in. Number three, the church is here to meet physical needs. It's not the most important thing, but it is a thing. Jesus didn't ask if the people could afford food, what happened in their life that they didn't have any food, why they hadn't planned better to provide food, or if they were all good, Jesus-following, believe-the-right-things Christians. He didn't ask any questions. He just told his disciples, feed them. Why? Because they're hungry. But you know what? Some of these 5,000 might be the ones that in just a year or two are hollering, crucify them, feed them. But they might not all become tithing members of the church, feed them. But they might not all be followers of you, taking up their cross, believers. They might not become disciples, feed them. As a matter of fact, as we see through the Gospels, they almost all fall away. All the crowds fall away. It's the disciples, it's the close, it's his that stay. He's feeding the people who are going to leave him. Because the church is also here to meet physical needs. Number four, we have no excuse for not fulfilling the mission. We have no excuse for disobedience. We know what Jesus has done. We know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We know what Jesus can do. And we know what Jesus will do. We have no excuse for saying, that's not our job. We can't do that. But they are this. But we have more important things. But I'm tired. But, but, but. We have no excuse. Our big idea today is at the end. Don't lose sight of the mission, of the smaller details that contribute to the mission, 
or the one who provides all the needs for the mission. If we struggle, it's because we've done one of those three things. We've lost sight of the mission. We've lost sight of those smaller details that contribute to it, or we have taken our eyes off the one that provides for it. Because if we're on the mission, nothing else matters. The mission is the gospel, period. The mission is making disciples. And if what we do isn't making disciples, then I pray, I pray God closes our doors. Because we are not here to do anything else. We're not here to give comfort to the sheep in the fold, but tell the lost sheep about the shepherd that loves them. The gospel says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel says that when we are lost sheep, we are lost forever due to our sinfulness and the wages of those sin, that sin being death. But the shepherd brings eternal life. The, the shepherd brings the kingdom, Jesus says. He says, repent and believe. That's the gift. But we believe in Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord. If you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never trusted in the saving uh, salvation offered by him, today is your day to do that. Repent of your sins, believe in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That simple. If you'd like to ask some questions about that, we would love to talk to you about that. Maybe you want to message us. Maybe you want to write on a connection card. In a few minutes, I'll be up here to the, my right. Chelsea will be here to my left. Kirk will be in the back. One of our deacons, Justin, our youth minister, will be in the back. We'd love to talk about you, uh, talk to you, talk with you about that and what your next step is to take up your cross, to leave your life, to follow Jesus, to be baptized, to submit to God, to conform your life to Him, to join this church. You can share your decision with us somehow. Come and talk to us about it. This is also your opportunity to worship through giving, to be a part of what we do here. There are ways to do that. This is, that is worship. That is faithfulness. That is obedience. So what is your decision today? Let's pray. Father, I ask that we would be obedient. That when you say, you give them something to eat, you share the gospel with them, you go and minister to them, you do this work for me, you be obedient that we will be obedient. Trusting that if you have commanded, you will provide. Lord, may we give the meal of the bread of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with the other hand, may we give the bread for the belly, meeting needs 
everywhere we can. But this morning, may we learn the lesson of the disciples. That we cannot lose sight of the mission. We cannot lose sight of those things that contribute to the mission. And we cannot lose sight of the one who provides for the mission. God, remind us again and again and again that we have one purpose, one commission, and you give us everything we need for it. Lord, move on hearts this morning toward obedience. Obedience to the call of the mission or this morning obedience to the call of salvation as the Holy Spirit draws I pray we would respond, every one of us. And we'd see revival, pure and simple. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we sing this morning, stand, worship, and respond as God calls you to today.